0: Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed.
1: It's the True Faith Podcast. Newcastle United 3, Cardiff City 0. I'm Alex Hurst, joined today by a bumper podcast of Norman Riley, Chris Shipman, and Rob Clothier, lads. It's a pleasure to speak to you after the Castle United have finally uh, come out of the relegation zone as well as putting a truly terrible Cardiff City side to the sword. Three goals to nil on uh, a decent day at St. James's Park for a change. Some notices before we get stuck into this one for you. Uh, This podcast is sponsored by our patrons who pay around £5 a month um, for these days 7 to 8 extra podcasts per week on all things Newcastle United and Premier League so get involved check it out if you haven't already we would really appreciate the support and it keeps this podcast free we are supported by Fansbet the unique gaming company who present 50% of their net profits back to good fan causes Um, check them out if you do like the gamble um, because it's you know as a gambler myself I'd rather my money went back into the football community if I did and do lose money on gambling. Um, and finally, this week at, at True Faith, we'll have about five extra free podcasts for you. We've won a game. There's no league game next weekend, so we're going to put them out. We'll have a chat with Newcastle United goalkeeping coach, uh, Simon Smith. That is courtesy of Catch and the Match of the Day magazine. We'll have an NUFC mastermind recorded in the summer uh, between the True Faith lads. And we also have the most in-depth interview uh, over about five hours with Supermac that you've ever heard. So we'll put those out piece by piece this week. So keep it with True Faith. Anyone who follows us on Twitter at TFNUFC... Um, you know, Please help us out by retweeting the podcast, leaving us a five-star review on iTunes or whatever podcast provider you use. And I'll stop talking talk and, and get straight into this, Norman. Once again, the Castle United produced when it really, really mattered under Rafa Benitez. Considering the team you had available to him, the shambles that's going on above him, and the size of this match, Norman, was this Rafa's best winner's boss, in your opinion?
2: Um, I can answer that quite easily. No. Um, I think the Man United performance last season at home, that was... In my opinion the, the best performance Produced under An extremely testing set of circumstances That was huge Given that we'd Gone into the bottom three Having um, seen Huddersfield Waller Bournemouth Earlier on in the day um, And obviously Man United Are a completely different Class of side um, To Cardiff Now You know We were a better side Last season um, But the gap between Us and Manchester United Last season Was way 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 bigger than the gap Between us and Cardiff Yesterday um, it was a huge win We were under a lot of pressure We had to win I mean we all You know the, the, We all agreed that I mean it was It was a cliched Six pointer We didn't come out of yesterday With the three points Cardiff are still above us We've got Spurs City Wolves away Three games that we could Feasibly come out of with, with, with zero points And that wouldn't be That wouldn't be a shock So Not winning yesterday Would have I mean it really Really would have had A negative impact um, on, on us for the rest of the season I think um, So To Produce a very convincing 3-0 victory I mean it, it was a 3-0 wallop And like 3-0 isn't Isn't a huge deficit You know It's not like 5 or 6 It's not an absolute cakewalk But I felt on yesterday's performance If we come away from that in 5-0 It would have been thoroughly merited um, There yes They were useless They were, they were Terrible, we commented on numerous occasions on how they were just rigidly stuck with that 4-4-2 It's Neil Warnock, it's a manager who probably on the training ground gets the cones out Plays a bit of five aside and just plays 4-4-2 without any analysis of the opposition whatsoever However, that doesn't detract from the fact that we put a side out yesterday That, unseen it, we were all a bit, why is he playing five at the back? Um, As it turned out, it was an absolute tactical masterstroke We got in behind them so many times Richie was incredibly effective. Yedlin got him behind so many times. There's a question if Yedlin had a bit more self belief, he probably could have done a lot more damage. Um, but still, every single player on that pitch performed. I think I would say probably to to the peak of their abilities. Now you, you can take up people like Lejeune, perhaps from that because Lejeune is capable of stepping up and even even more. Um, but those players yesterday, there's not one player you can you can fault. It, it was fantastic, and yes, the pressure was on. But I think I think. Even even the crowd, those nerves, those nerves didn't come from the crowd yesterday. I was expecting it to be a very a nervy kind of affair, but I think from the get go, everyone just seemed to be up for it. I think I even think Ashley being there yesterday kind of gave it a bit, gave the crowd a bit more of an edge and the noise. I don't obviously we're in Block V, so you kind of you don't really know what's going on around the rest of the stadium. But yesterday you could see people get out of their seats, people were singing. It was quite obvious, and and I thought everything just everything just worked perfectly best performance under Rafa no as I say that for me was the Man United game given the context but yesterday you know it it, it ran it close because again it was huge and just thank Rafa that we won
1: Brilliant and I uh, can't agree with you more I mean interesting little uh, anecdote I believe you have for the listeners about Matthew Ritchie Norman
2: I am um, I uh, I came out of the Centune yesterday I had a pint with Cy um, and uh, Mark and um, I was getting on the train and I saw three blokes stood together in tracksuits, two in Cardiff tracksuits, one in the Newcastle tracksuit, the baseball cap, the full, I mean, the full track, trackies, the full lot, like. Um, and they were all shorter than me, which was, which was nice. It always makes me feel like you know really good when, when men are shorter than me. Um, and uh, I noticed it was Matt Ritchie, and it's like, and of course, I just went over and I said, um, sorry, to, sorry to interrupt, gents. Um, I just wanted to see you absolutely superb today, thank you. And he shook me hand and just said, top man, thanks very much. And it was it was lovely, you know, there was like no, Put it this way: I met Craig Bellamy um, when he was at Newcastle, and he could not have been a bigger mm. arsehole. Um Matt Ritchie yesterday was <laughs> absolutely like, for a very brief exchange, he just knew that he wasn't flustered or annoyed that a fan had come up to him. He was genuinely like, "Yeah, mate, thank you, uh, top man, thank you." You couldn't. His body language was great, and it was just a lovely, a lovely end, a lovely end to the day. Um, and then I also, um, you mentioned patrons before. Um, Gary uh, Patron bumped into me on the train and from being sober when I got on the train I was fairly well to my life, so big shout out to Gary, thanks for that mate. You nearly killed us today.
1: Will you ever wash that hand again? <laughs> that <should matter. laughs> hand,
2: I'll have to, because I picked up three massive piles of dog shit this morning.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. Um, I'll bring in Rob. Uh, Rob, um, Fabian, share, how good was that goal in context of you know the fact that we never score on context of all the great goals you've seen in st james's park the fact he was he was a center back you know i mean you know just just can you talk me through how how good you think it is for for a center back to run that far with the ball and produce that finish
3: yeah it was um it's the kind of goal that we crave at st james's park isn't it a bit of bit of flair and to to have come from a center back like you say it's just you know there's been a lot of comparisons made with um with Albert's goals and um I think was there some start saying um Albert was the last centre back that scored two goals for us in a game uh, since since Shea yesterday so uh, in in the Premier League yeah, sorry. Premier so, League, so um but... yeah the goal itself I mean he he picked the ball up like pretty much on the touchline, about fifty yards out didn't he? And then uh in his in his post match interview he sort of said the sort of obviously asked him about it and he said well I just went forwards and I seen the gap there, so I thought, why not just keep going and uh, make some progress towards the box. And I think you've got to not not to detract too much from from the goal, but I mean Cardiff just stepped back from him, the, the, the stood off him, uh, and fair play to the lad, he's he's he thought, well, screw it, I'm just gonna go for it, and he's he's worked his way into the box, and the finish was was brilliant actually with with his uh, he's he's just sort of curled it and placed it into the bottom corner. It was very very good composure considering how far he'd. Um, Already progressed with the ball. I thought it was, it was a fantastic finish, and um, like I said, it's the kind of goal that we want to see Newcastle United scoring, not just fluky tap Or I mean, we'll take them at the minute, but you know we'll we'll take anything at the minute. But um, yeah, it's nice to to have seen a bit of a bit of bit of creativity, a bit of a bit like a nice solo effort, and uh, yeah, it was uh, really refreshing to see.
1: And. Um... You know his, his overall performance. Do you still think he gets a game when Fernandez is fit? Because that back three looked really good yesterday. I mean Cardiff, as uh, you know, Norman alluded to, offered absolutely nothing as an attacking threat. You know, beyond the last five minutes when they threw <laughs> caution to the wind and then we scored. <laughs> um, so yeah, you know, how, uh, uh, easy for me to say, but ignoring the goals, how do you rate his overall play and, and his chances of staying in that side as one of the three best centre backs at the club ahead of Kieran Clark? It was also a goal threat, and um uh, who think, was ill yesterday.
3: First of all, clearly, centre back is our strongest department. We've got we've got um, five good quality centre backs who are all vying with each other for that for those centre back positions. And um, I think uh, obviously Lejeune and Cher are are ball playing sort of defenders that they're, they're the ones who are going to be relied on to get the ball up the pitch and retain possession um, I th- the way I see it I think I mean I, I would probably put Clark furthest down the list as centre back but I think out of everyone Lascelles is the one who's going to be feeling the most under pressure with the the uh, the players around him like Cher and Fernandez and Lejeune uh, especially now that Lejeune's back um, he's, he's, he's probably going to obviously being the club captain does that mean he, he he sort of starts ahead of the others. I don't know, like Rafa's not been afraid to drop him in the past, and I think it's um, it's a very very good thing that we've got this competition at uh, centre back. It's um, something we've always relied on under Rafa is having, you know, being tight at the back, keeping clean sheets whenever possible, keeping the con- conceded goals to a minimum. So having having all those quality centre backs is is probably our biggest strength at the minute, and probably a reason why we're playing uh five three two or whatever you want to call it three five two. Um Rafa's playing to his strengths. Um just picked up on a I was just having a look at Cher's stats actually. Um so in the Premier League this season with Cher well first without Cher he's he's played twelve games. We've we've played twelve games without him and we've only we've only made three points without him and, and he's played eleven times in the Premier League for us this season and we've won 18 points with him so I mean that that's is an incredible stat I thought to be honest like um, and surely that is a reflection of what he brings to us as a team
1: he's um he's almost this season's LaSalle's because you know the, the stats were very similar last season for LaSalle's in terms of points with him without <laughs> uh, Norman were you raising your hand now or was that just kind of definitely me definitely
2: me, ra- definitely me definitely <laughs> me yeah it's, it's hand movement but it's also me raising my hand Um <laughs> the um, it's me RSI mate, but uh, the, what I'd like to say about Lascelles yesterday was, and we, we were talking about this during the match, is that you've got these two very good ball playing centre halves either side of you. Lascelles's job yesterday was basically head the ball, win tackles, clear the ball. That was it, and that's what he is. Is that, that's what he is as a footballer. He, I would say he's an organizer, but I actually, I actually think Dubravka's um, usurped him in that role of of, of organizing the. The at sort of five or six. Um, I think the Selzer's rules decreased in that sense. But yesterday it was basically, I'm gonna I'm gonna say the word basic again. It was down to it was down to basic, complete basics for him. He didn't need to do anything other than just keep winning the ball in the air and keep clearing the ball. And we saw a very good performance from him yesterday. His, his his strengths were um, were utilised perfectly. And what I keep sharing share and, and Lejeune on the same side it, it just depends on I think it just depends on the opposition um, but <laughs> what I will see is if anyone knows the actor Dave Franco Cher is the double of Dave Franco <laughs> and um, I just want to put that on record if that's alright
1: Consider it done it is now on the record um, I just want to I was going to come to you anyway about that LaSalle's point um, uh, but really quickly on, on share I, I saw a great tweet this morning that this isn't, um, I can't remember who posted the tweet, typical me. I should have written it down, but the the, the guy who posted the tweet wasn't um, legitimising Charlie and Ashley's running of the club. However, um, there are, because of Rafa's talented talent network of scouts and in his footballing mind, to get Dubravka and Cher, who've, who've played such a big role in our Premier League campaign so far, for, for near enough, like, you know, seven, seven eight million pounds, Shows there is value, particularly outside of English players and British players, um, and if they could just trust Rafa to bring those players in, and also bring in players with a little bit more quality, then, then Newcastle United would be flying. So there is there is value out there, and, <coughs> and I'm sure everyone listening doesn't want Newcastle United to go out and spend, you know, ridiculous sums of money on players that aren't good enough. But you know, sh- signing a chair for three million quid. I think after, we got yeah. them. Did we get them before the World Cup or was it after? After. After we've gone after the World Cup, so particularly since he played in a successful Switzerland team during the World Cup and I'm impressed, um, is, is, is br- it's a brilliant bit of business. But you know, th- I agree with you, Norman. It depends on the opposition because I've seen Sher have stinkers this season. I've seen him; he was terrible against West Ham at home, absolutely shocking. So the more he plays, the better he'll get. He's not the finished article, and, and the fact that he adds a goal threat is brilliant because we're a side that doesn't score from midfield essentially. Um, he's not Franz Backenbauer yet or Hammond Ben Schaffer as a patron tweeted yesterday <laughs> um, he's, he's doing really well at the minute and like you say that Lejeune and mean and there was a couple of ropey moments where balls were played across the back but I, I felt that Cardiff didn't and because they hadn't been correctly prepared like you say Norman, they didn't know how to deal with two playing centre backs, they didn't know when to press, they didn't know when to drop, they didn't know when to press as a team. They didn't know when to see possession and force them to play long. They didn't know like whether to let Sher run thirty yards. There was clearly no one in the Cardiff team that had been told if one of these lads brings out of defence, you know, the whole of the midfielders and midfielders, you lads have to come and get him. There was just nothing and you're not going to get that every game as we point. Against Man City next week. Um, you know, Pep Guardiola will have a plan and would have had a plan even if sher hadn't scored that goal for when Cher steps out of the the ball in defence, so we were lucky to an extent, I think, that that Carleford managed by who they managed. Uh, Well, I'll come come to you nonetheless then, Chris. Uh, Longstaff and Hayden completely (laughs) controlled that midfield yesterday. One is a fifth-choice child, and the (laughs) other is a player who most fans don't want to see in the team, and he doesn't want to be in the team either. He wants to be playing his football somewhere else, but... How impressed were you with their performances and Longstaff in particular? Do you think he has a future at this highest level?
4: Oh, definitely. Uh, yeah, I mean, I was impressed by both of them. Uh, Longstaff's 21, uh, Hayden's 23. I know that Hayden's been with us for a few years now, but both are incredibly hardworking, and I put in, I thought they put in a real shift. Um, I thought just kind of particularly focusing on Longstaff, uh, I think this was his third game, wasn't it? Um, his first win, uh, he was brilliant. Um, I was particularly impressed. Um, I saw a stat that he won. Uh, four aerial balls. Now he's a tall guy, but uh, he's pretty slight, um, so I think that was kind of particularly impressive. And I just think the kind of the ice in his veins and the confidence that he exudes. Uh, I know that he had that shot um, over the bar when he was kind of urged to shoot by the crowd, which okay, maybe wasn't the smartest choice at the time, but I think just really kind of epitomises the confidence um, that, that he's got. Um, I think he's incredibly exciting, uh, and I know that we've kind of been excited by him for, for a time since he's been playing in the in the under 23s um, but I've had a look around uh, this morning, and there's uh, the rest of the Premier League and the rest of the footballing media is starting to kind of wake up to uh, Sean Long's stuff, uh, which is kind of uh, quite impressive. Um, so yeah, I thought he was he was really uh, excellent. Uh, Hayden was solid enough. Uh, we all know that, as you say, he wants away. Um, you know, if we can get a replacement in, and that is a big if, um, then yeah, by all means, um, move him on. But I think in terms of Professionalism um, over the last kind of few months you know he uh, since Cardiff away which was very poor um, you know he's really kind of turned it around I've been really impressed by the application when called upon uh, so yeah shout out to them both
1: and do you think that's is it still the case that as soon as um, Shelby and Diame come back in, no, they supplant Longstaff?
4: I, I don't think it's a foregone you he, conclusion. A uh, you know, obviously Rafa watches them in training day in day out, and will kind of will know better than than we do. Um, but I think the you know the performances that Longstaff in particular has kind of put in uh, over the last kind of uh, few weeks have you know meant that he is not it's not foregone conclusion that uh, Diame and Shelby will be uh, will be dropped. Um, you know, I'd be you know happy enough to see him kind of play in future lineups uh, over the next kind of four or five games, and we have got tricky games coming up. Um, but yeah, I mean, in terms of kind of, uh, you know, he's really kind of uh, showed himself to be uh, a model young professional uh, and one with kind of some really uh, decent talent as well.
1: I mean, Norman, you were you were very impressed at the match by Longstaff, but also Christian Atsu as well. Uh, he's a player I've not really seen kind of praised that much in the aftermath on social media. So, thoughts on Atsu yesterday and why why you were so impressed with his performance?
2: Atsu, he's a he's a player who I think um, gets a lot of unfair stick when when he plays and things don't come off. But you've always got to like every, like basically every player at Newcastle, you have to put it into context. Atsu was a six and a half million pound buy from Chelsea. where he didn't get a game. Went alone Everton, didn't get a game. I think he was on loan Bournemouth, didn't really get a game. Um, and. He 's expected to come into a Newcastle side, but should be parachuted in when there are injuries and all of a sudden hit the ground running and it's really difficult to do especially when you're not you're not necessarily uh, an excellent Premier League footballer but yesterday what we saw was what damage he can do with the opposition now Cardiff because Cardiff was so rigid so incredibly tightly rigid and obviously warnock has zero in game management and it's it's not like it's like warnock's watching the game seeing what's happening but not actually taking him what's happening so Cardiff City are the kind of side who need to man-mark. They need to be able to man-mark in opposition. Now, with Christian Atsu, when he's given the role that he is yesterday, in, as a kind of attacking midfielder in front of Hayden and Longstaff, behind Perez and Rondon, just able to work left to right, left to right. Cardiff City, they couldn't track him. It was almost like there was no one on him yesterday, and he just caused so much panic and so much Damage that it obviously just opened up, opened up space at the, on the to the rest of the pitch, which which um, Yedlin, Perez, Rondon, Richie all exploited, um, and I think a lot of that was down to the fact that Atsu's running was just incredibly confusing, but for Cardiff players who had, who had no idea how to cope with them. Um, so, I really good performance, and Atsu, West Ham away last season, Stoke City away yesterday, games that we had to win, vital games, and Atsu's come in and put in a shift in all of those games. So. Fair player, fair play to him. Basically, a, a limited footballer in many ways, but one who I think um, when he when he gets it right, can be really, really useful.
1: Chris,
4: uh, yeah, just to say on Atsu, uh, Norman said that you know he's a big game, a big important game player. Uh, you know he might might not be the most talented uh, in the world, but he can turn it on. Uh, and I believe a few years back at the African Cup of Nations, he was player of the tournament. Uh, and I think we're seeing that kind of, you know, uh, that application when it matters uh, now uh, for Newcastle. So, yeah, he's had a bit of a checkered career with us, um, but I think he does offer the side something.
1: Yeah, and um, Rob, just I know this wasn't on the run in order to throw you a curveball, but, um, you know, another player who's picked up widespread acclaim is uh, Jose Perez. Obviously, he grabbed, grabbed his goal and it was a really good goal as well from the back of the Gallagher, where we are, you kind of, you know, you're looking and you just think Rondon's hammered that across the the box and then, Perez has almost been there at the back post to tap it in, but his movement to get in front of the defender, I mean, it's, it's a terrible defender, I, I can't lie, but his movement to get in front of the defender is really good and really positive. Um, it, there's a little bit of a, much like last season, there's a little bit of a renaissance of his, um, uh, you know, is how people view him, basically. Do you think that's fair? Do you think he, he has improved a lot in recent weeks, or is this the kind of performance he's put in all season, but maybe hasn't been appreciated as much? Which one is it?
3: Perez is the type of player who just goes through hot and cold patches and luckily at the minute it's a it's a bit of a, a hot patch for him he's um he, i mean he's, he's a, he is a good he's a good forward player he he comes in for an awful lot of criticism from from our fans or a certain section of our fans hence his fingers in the year celebration that he seems to have uh, adopted recently um in, interestingly actually when i was uh, cause I, when i was watching the highlights um when he celebrated with the fingers in the ears there was a guy in the in the uh, in the leesers end um, sort of obviously like jumping up and down and applauding and then as soon as Perez turned towards the fans and did the fingers in the ears uh, this lad in the crowd just just went uh, like mental at him and just started shouting at him like saying oh F off kind of thing like it's really 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 pissed him off um, so I don't know whether maybe he needs to pack in that uh, that celebration like uh, might be winding people up I don't know I don't even know is it, is it targeted at the media or the fans I don't know maybe both but um, anyway I don't think it's going down too well anymore <laughs> once was probably enough um, but no I think um, he took. His, he did take his goal well he, he probably probably um, was helped a little bit by the fact that obviously Cardiff were probably pushing I mean despite the fact that it was added time you know they were pushing forward they, um, brought on a attacker for a defender I think and he, he just got himself, but he, his movement was great in the box. He got himself in front of um, in front of his defender, anticipated the ball coming in from Rondon, um, who was superb. I'm sure we'll speak about him. Um, but uh, yeah, it was good awareness and um, pleased to see him scoring. Obviously against Blackburn, he took his goal well, and um, he just works. He works tirelessly for the team, which I'm sure will be massively appreciated by Rafa Benitez, who who loves. Loves players who know what they're doing defensively, and um, Perez is certainly one of those players.
2: Just, uh, just quickly on Perez again. Um, again, it's you know, I think we are, we've all said this regularly. In context, one and a half million from the Spanish second division. He's got four goals now. There's at least 15 games to play this season. Let's see, if he plays in all of those games, which is which is highly highly likely if he doesn't get injured. I can see him getting another six goals. That'll be three consecutive seasons I Jose Perez has got double figures now that's a real achievement for a player as I say who cost 1.5 million from the from a from a second spanish second division side um so for all of the all of the criticism that that he gets um i think pound for pound he's been an absolutely incredible buy um and he plays a very important role on the side and yesterday we we saw the best of our Perez arriving in the box taking his run well getting the goal but also it's just his he's off the ball movement using his lower body strength to kind of turn and and, and set up set up chances for other players um I'm, I'm, I'm a fan I'm a, big, I'm a big fan of Perez as I say in the context of, of what he is as a, a, a footballer and where we got him from he's, he's, he's been he's been brilliant That's th- I think he's on 38 goals for Newcastle now he could have 50 goals for Newcastle by the end of next season it's not bad is it
0: well done Alan Pardew <laughs>
1: I'll never forget a Pardew <laughs> signing was he a Pardew um, signing or
2: a Graham Carr spot
1: no no Pardew Pardew made it abundantly clear that it was uh, his signing when things <laughs> were going well Um Pardue was probably in Tenerife <laughs> on holiday We can only speculate about why And what he was doing yeah. but will not um, And then Four he, he probably got speaking to some <laughs> Speaking to some locals who, who recommended him And uh, because it appeared on the company credit card Directly <laughs> biased from the time would have been like What the fuck <laughs> um, Why well, have you been to Tenerife and he's, put, he's, he's plucked out The top scorer or something or will play over the year And here we are, Jose Paris down the line Um Takeover stuff to touch on really quickly, or non-takeover, however you want to look at it. Uh, I just want to make a comment on on just how the supports kind of perceive Mike Ashley to an extent. You see loads of, we've been fooled again. Fans let themselves be fooled. Journalists let themselves be fooled. Um, Craig Hope came out with a story yesterday saying Mike Ashley was um, had come to the conclusion the takeover was off. That's why he's come back to games. Um, you know you've s- since seen stories in the Chronicle that him and Rafa spoke after the game. They're going to have a training ground meeting blah 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 you have a a school of thought which thinks that Mike Ashley is a PR mastermind who creates these diversions to divert fan attention and get people to renew season tickets two things number one he's not that smart and number two he genuinely doesn't give that much of a fuck Um, The reason that takeover speculation appears around the same time, or has done in the last two years, it's because any prospective person wants to buy the club. Peter Kenyon is a real person, and as Amanda Stavely, they're real people who, in my opinion, want to buy the club. Whether we'll have a willing seller, or whether they have the required funds, I don't know. But they they are not Mike Ashley's mates doing Mike Ashley a favour, it's not a Mike Ashley scheme. They appear at the times that they did, because the club looks reasonably safe from the threat of relegation. We all know Mike Ashley refuses to put a relegation clause in the sale of the club which I think would be sold by now if he did Um, and the reason that Peter Kenyon appeared when he did in my opinion it was no coincidence that would won three games on the spin and were out of the relegation zone Uh, same with Amanda Stabley last season Um, she kind of first appeared what at that Liverpool game which was right at the end of our very very good run when we'd won several games on the spin and were up to fifth or something briefly after beating Crystal Palace So the time has got nothing to do with Mike Ashley. In addition, this idea that season ticket renewals and transfer windows... Mike Ashley, go back through all the transfer windows under Mike Ashley. The vast majority of them have been terrible, if not all of them. um, And he, he hasn't needed the excuse of a takeover not to buy any players in January or not to invest in the summer or to make a £22 million profit on player trade in the summer. This idea that he has to orchestrate or Keith Bishop, who again people give far too much credit to, um, you know, it's it's just nonsense Like that, that Bishop orchestrates takeover rumours to make sure fans renew their season tickets. Well, the timer doesn't work because the takeover is supposedly off and it's only the 19th of January or it was yesterday. So there's 11 days, 12, 11 days left before the both the end of the transfer window and the season ticket cancellation deadline. And finally, can anyone tell me who are these people out there that, you know, rely on, you know... One transfer window to not cancel their season tickets, like it just you know i, I don 't know anyone who would make that very difficult decision based on one transfer window like if it just i don't think these people exist i don't think I don't, whilst the people definitely will be canceling their direct debits and season tickets, you know I get that, and I understand the reasons why i don't think a lot of these people will be doing it on the basis of one sign in a- tra- in a transfer window or or because there might be a takeover like Mike Ashley doesn't care enough about you or me to to go into this level of detail, to hash this plan, in, in, include various parts of the media. It's kind of paranoia, and I understand why it's paranoia because we've got who we've got, we're treated, how we're treated. But ultimately, you know, Mike Ashley isn't smart enough to pull off something like that. I think Peter Kenyon is real. I think he wants to buy the club. I have no more information than that. Um, uh, but Kenny, Willie, no idea. Probably not by the looks of it. Uh, and, and that could be for another a number of reasons. You have to look at the fact that Mike Ashley's been trying to sell Newcastle United for over 10 years and he's failed and this is a guy who's good at selling things, supposedly. That's, what, that's his forte, he's a salesman, he sells things, his businesses sell things. I think you have to look at his um, desire to sell the football club. But I certainly don't think that there's been some contact takeover to try and get you to renew your season tickets or to allow... The club not to spend in January. No one believes that it would be the worst plan in the world. Um, you know that's just a personal opinion. People might disagree. I just wanted to say that. Obviously, the club is fucked long term without a takeover. Even if we do stay up this season, uh, but that's a uh, you know something we'll discuss probably more on parent podcasts in the in the coming couple of weeks. Back to the football though, lads. Uh, after that little negative section of the podcast, got it in there, um, Norman. Uh, Salomon Rondon uh, Neil Warnock said he was the best player on the pitch and he also says you get what you pay for I don't really know what he means by the second comment but I think we can both agree on the first one
2: um, Warnock yesterday um, he came up with uh, that, that, I mean, that was a spectacular comment that was a spectacular comment about um, about Rondon being um, the best player on the pitch and you get what you pay for even though he's a loan player and he had a contract uh, release clause of £13 million, um, which you know they've, get, considering they've just gone to the French League and bought uh, I think they paid like 14, 15 million for a twenty-eight-year-old player from, um, you know, from League One, which, to all intents and purposes, isn't a particularly good league. Um, that was an interesting comment. Also, his comment about there were nine Championship players on the pitch yesterday it was an interesting comment, given that we had, I think, five out there, six, five Championship players on the pitch, um, long staff from the youth system, and you know, a goalkeeper from the reserves of the Czech League. Um, you know, we know, we know the story. A player who couldn't get a game at Deportivo La Coruña, who were relegated from La Liga last season. All of that. So it's just Warnock being Neil Warnock and not giving any credit to the opposition whatsoever um, because he's a prick. Um, But I think Rondon, Rondon's performance yesterday, again, like the Bournemouth game, Watford away, Huddersfield away. Obviously, he scored goals in those games. So, you know, to use the the word complete center forward's performance, it's probably more apt in those games because he actually got goals, which is, I guess, a centre-forward's job. But um, yesterday... He, he did everything but school. He was just magnificent the, the bit of skill at the end For the Rondon um, For the for the I, I Jose Perez goal he, he completely baffled Joe Bennett Who I actually thought was Cardiff's best player yesterday uh, That's saying something about How bad they were But um, the, the You said to me during the game yesterday I think uh, Alex That once he'd worked out That these two Cardiff players Were basically Going to sit On the edge of the box And they weren't actually Going to track him at all As soon as he worked out what What they kind of you In know, inverted commas. Game plan was he just absolutely rinsed him. Hey, physically, you know, the Cardiff centre halves are, are huge, um, but Rondon himself, maybe not as big as their centre halves, but he's just more powerful. And he's not only is he powerful; he's just a very good footballer. And the fact that Newcastle United haven't gone out and bought him for the pathetically small release close of what was it, thirteen or sixteen million? Sixteen million um, yeah. is, is 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 absolutely tragic and and an, an indicative of how pathetically run run the club actually are because if Rondon continues in this vein until the end of the season another club in the Premier League will come along and get him um, if Rafa gets a job at another club in the Premier League he might come activate that release clause he, he was just he was just superb and um, I'm really enjoying seeing a centre-forward like that at Newcastle it feels like it's been a long time since we've since we've had that
1: Yeah I totally agree and um, yeah, I, I thought that it was a great battle between him and the two Cardiff centre-backs um, essentially you had um you know, they basically tried to push Rondon further and further and back, further and further back towards his own goal, and he very quickly realised that he could turn them quite quickly, and Cardiff had no answer to that. And you saw, particularly as Cardiff were pushing for. Um you know, an equaliser and then the second goal, he, Rondon, exploited the space time and time again, which is what good centre forwards do. And ultimately, that was a fantastic assist for the third goal. A couple of step overs, some really, really nice football, and a, and a brilliant cross up for Perez to get on the end of. Uh, all that was missing from his performance was a goal. But we've seen he'll probably get one in the next three games, and he'll probably get a winner knowing him because he scores big goals for Newcastle. Um, Rob, uh, to bring it over to you. The back five, um, obviously, we all saw the back five before the game. Our hearts sank. I think it was Adam that famously said in a podcast a couple of weeks ago, Well, he'll definitely not pay um, a back five against Cardiff. And, you know, I, I agreed with that. But a back five it was. What was the difference, you think, between the tactical setup between the Fulham game, which went so badly wrong, and yesterday, which went so right? I um, think
3: probably, I mean, the. The fact that we had Lejeune back for this game um, <coughs> it will have, I mean, I think uh, for Fulham we had Cher and Lascelles and Dummett is a three. Um, clearly, Dummett isn't anywhere near as good a ball playing defender as Lejeune. Um, last season, we saw how good Lejeune is with the ball, and you know his vision is is fantastic, and I think um, having him back in the in the in the three at the back did help massively I think also Yedlin as well we, we, we didn't have Yedlin for Fulham um, he was he was good he was very good yesterday getting up the pitch giving uh, options on the right wing um, that was just another thing for, for the Cardiff bat line to think about and really stretched them at times um, Longstaff was constantly looking for Yedlin getting up the pitch um, I think we played probably had Mankeo at right right like right wing back or right back against Fulham, which clearly uh he's he's got nowhere near the pace that Yedlin's got. So that that was just another factor that Cardiff had to deal with um which we didn't have against Fulham. Um having that option on the right is just another another outlet for our players who were able to play long passes. Um you know, I seem to think back to so many times when Shelby's be picked out Yedlin with a fifty yard pass over the over the midfield. Uh, and that, you know, you could see Longstaff looking for Yeldon, like I said, like constantly yesterday. And it's pleasing to see that Longstaff's got that confidence to do that, and um, you know to look for for uh, for the fullbacks so or the wingbacks getting up the pitch. Also, I think you know Fulham carry a much bigger attacking threat than Cardiff do. Um, we saw yesterday how impotent Car- Cardiff were up front; they just had no threat at all, whereas. Fulham have got that capability of scoring goals and I I think probably going into the Fulham game you know Ranieri coming in and Ranieri had taken over Andy when we played them yeah um so I think having a new manager in um having a new manager in would have given them a lift Rafa would have been thinking about more attacking threats from from Fulham whereas with Cardiff I'm sure uh, he, he's probably realized that we've, we've, We've got. We can have more uh, freedom to to express us, ourselves in our play and get forward and be more creative and be more likely to uh, to score against Cardiff and we were against Fulham. So um, and certainly not concede against <laughs> Cardiff um, as we may have done against Fulham. But uh, yeah, I think um, it was quite a different game overall.
1: Nice one, and. Um... Chris, the relegation picture—how is it looking? Uh, I presume you're more confident than yesterday, but are you still confident your castle can stay in this league? Uh, and why or why not? And is it based on our performance and our fixture list, or is it based on the fact that you think the others are much worse? Yeah, than I this?
4: think we've given ourselves a, a fighting chance. Uh, I did a bit of a kind of uh, dig through um, the the kind of various uh, upcoming fixtures for relegation rivals, so from Palace down. I think it's fair enough to kind of say that, uh, I mean, Huddersfield at this point are probably gone. Uh, I think they've got 11 points. Uh, That's quite a tall order. Um, Fulham, uh, a couple of points ahead of them. Uh, fourteen. I don't think they're quite gone yet, but um, yeah, there is. Uh, it's not looking fantastic for them. Both of them have games in hand, um, but they're they're against Spurs, uh, for Fulham and uh, Man City uh, for Huddersfield, and I'm sure that Norman and I uh, and the other guys will chat about this, uh, tomorrow on um on Prem uh, so if uh, you're not a patron, uh, make sure you uh, you sign up so you can get access to that. Um, but the the other teams uh, around us, obviously Cardiff, two points uh, below us, albeit with a worse goal difference, so kind of three points uh, at this point in time. Um, I think kind of Palace and Southampton probably gonna gonna sneak out of it, which leaves the kind of five team mini league between Burnley, us, Cardiff, Fulham, and Huddersfield. Um, I think. Probably looking at the upcoming fixtures uh, in terms of hardest kind of uh, you know next five games, you know we're definitely up there. Uh, Man City and Spurs are the next two uh, pretty tricky by anyone's kind of uh, imagining, um, but then we have kind of three home games against um, you know two relegation rivals and on one side that are kind of up and down in Wolves. Um, so I think you know those three games um, you know are still crunch games. We need to win them. Uh, there's nine points there for the taking um, But yeah So I think I will give us a fighting chance um, But you know It's going to kind of go down to the wire And this is to echo you know, uh, A lot of what Rafa said yesterday Norman
2: um, I agree with everything you said there mate I also believe that uh, four, I think I said yesterday before the match Five wins between now and the end of the season Is feasible Um, 15 points based on who we've got In who home matches and I genuinely think that you know four more wins will be enough because I don't see Huddersfield, Fulham, or Cardiff getting above 32 points. I don't think any one of those sides will reach more than 32 points. Um, so you're looking at 34 to 35 points to keep you up. And I think that we're very capable in the big pressure games of um, of, of getting those victories. I mean, even even when you look back at Rafa's um, first season at the club when he came in in the Premier League with 10 games to go. When the pressure was really on And we had to get results We kind of did Swansea at home Palace at home um, Massive, massive games and, and we got the victories Obviously we know how it worked out Down at Villa That was a that was a, a You know a, Just a, a bad day But I'm talking about The, the home matches That we need to win um, and, and I think we'll get them I think we'll get the points on Burnley I think we'll get the points on Palace um, I think we'll get the points on Huddersfield And possibly Southampton Because I think Southampton are, are going to be safe by that point anyways um, So I, I'm, I'm after yesterday's victory I'm so much more confident That we'll avoid relegation um, And that's indicative Of the belief I've got In Rafa to get the results But also The fact that I just think After seeing Cardiff yesterday And seeing Huddersfield away That just Bad sides And Fulham Are managed by Ranieri So I think we're going to be all right
4: yeah, I mean it is of course kind of right and understandable that we focus on the games against kind of rivals uh, so Wolves, Huddersfield, Burnley as well as the Salampton match that you mentioned um, but I think it can't kind of go without saying uh, the importance of a good strong uh, defensive performance in the two games prior to that so against City and Spurs obviously that goal difference cushion that we have now um, inside that kind of bottom seven uh, we have the second best uh, goal difference there it's really important that we preserve um, that slender advantage that we have over the kind of sides below us Um, you know we've talked for the last couple of seasons about how important goal difference can be at the end of the 38 games Um, and I think that you know that will kind of be um, telling um, you know this season Uh, and I think also that kind of psychological advantage as well is key Um, so we've talked a lot about kind of five at the back uh, in recent weeks but yeah that defensive record uh, needs to be uh, continued Uh, we need solid defensive performances against City uh, I suppose. I think it's
1: important that as a support, and I know Rafa and the players won't do this. That with the three away games that we've now got coming up, um, we don't panic. There's no, um, you know, if, if we were to lose all three, which is, you know, I mean, if you were, if you were to go on bookmakers' odds, you know, they would suggest that we will lose all three games. I think we're more than capable. Sorry, they're not all away. Man City's at home, but the three tu- the three tough games we've got before a massive five days for our season with Huddersfield and Burnley on a Saturday and a Wednesday at St James's. Um, with these three games, um, it's important that I mean the chances are we'll be in the bottom three um, because Cardiff just need to pick up you know one win in that time, and they might not, but you know we'll see. It's that we will remain calm, we'll remain focused, and that I I think we will get at least at least a point from those three games, if not all three, I think Wolves away is definitely a game that Rafa will be looking at, considering Wolves' patchy home form um, and and their leaky defence, despite their attacking prowess. Um, and you know, why can't we go to Man City uh, and, and and do something? Why can't we go to Spurs and do something? Wolves won at Spurs recently, um, but we have to remain calm and we have to remain focused as a as a support behind the behind the manager and the players. Uh, i thought st james's park was really positive yesterday i thought um whoever said that might be new norman that actually being there kind of helped focus everybody a bit and and i thought the the noise was good the support was good obviously we were winning for much of the game which is a, a like a, you know not we've hardly been ahead of st james's park this season um dreadful dreadful home record that we've got um if we could be the same against manchester city but particularly against Huddersfield, like what I. What wasn't apparent yesterday was a nervousness. It was really good that there was no nervousness from the kickoff yesterday. Everyone in the crowd, from the you know everyone in the crowd, all of the players knew there was a job to do yesterday, and it was achieved with kind of the minimum of fuss, and the maximum professionalism. And we have a role to play in that. And I thought the fans were fantastic yesterday because we've criticised them enough on this podcast over the years. Norman was that a dog poor you raised? <laughs> it,
2: it, well, yeah, it's not not to make a comment. It's just <laughs> basically <my> dog sticking a <laughs> <our> pole <paws> for <laughs> a belly rub. So. Uh, I don't know have you got have you got anything to say, Lil? You got anything to say about yesterday? What was what was your take on it? Nah, I should not bother. Right, well bothered.
1: unless there's anything else you think we've missed, lads, uh, now is the <laughs> chance to say. Norman
2: <laughs> I do I do have a comment uh, and I forgot to drop it in. Um, the BBC match report was absolutely hilarious. Um, saying that um Ron Don basically <laughs> had a field in because Sean Morrison <laughs> was <laughs> available. <laughs> <Thanks, laughs> really. Sean Morrison was the difference yesterday. Right. Sean Morrison. A championship clogger at best would have kept Rondon quiet. I mean, please, <laughs> please. <laughs> it's also, <if> Rondon didn't <laughs> score. <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> and it wasn't involved in two of the go- in, in the first two goals, even though he had an excellent game. Um, right, thanks for listening to the True Faith podcast. As I say, we will have loads of podcasts for you this week, so give it. You know, keep checking every single day. Please come and join us on Patreon. We'd love to have you on board. You know, there's nearly 300 people. Do it at the minute, um, and, and also check out our YouTube channel. We're starting to upload a lot more content to that uh, about all things Newcastle United. Many thanks to Rob, Norman, and Chris for joining me today. This has been the True Faith Podcast. We'll be back to you, back for you with another podcast like this uh, after the very now very appealing cup tie against Watford next weekend. So thank you. Bye bye.